Well, hey there, everyone. I'm Daniel Hahn, and I'm the online campus pastor here at Oxford Assembly of God Church, and this is our podcast. And I just want to thank you for listening today. We hope the message you're about to hear inspires you, builds your faith, and helps you see that God has a purpose for your life. And now, let's get into the message. You know, you can find out a lot by reading the newspaper. Some of you might have read the newspaper this week that said... uh, that two burglars down in Polk County. Now, I really, I had to read that because I thought this was probably in California. I didn't think this could happen in Florida, especially in Polk County. But there was two burglars robbing a house. They called 911 and asked help to unload their stuff. Then the other one called and needed a ride to the airport. True story. It was in the paper this week, and they they got a free ride, but it wasn't to the airport. But this morning as I, I came in and I was reading in yesterday's paper, it was a late delivery for me, so I didn't get it. So I read it this morning real early. And most of you know that we, we work and do a lot of ministry in Cuba. And um, this article was about people escaping from Cuba. And it, again, it was in yesterday's uh, paper. So normally we don't say too much because we don't want to cause any kind of conflict and do we share anything that shouldn't be. But this is on, on the news. So I'm sure that uh, uh, it's permissible. But since... October, the number of immigrants from Cuba to South Florida has increased by 400%. 400%. And last year, 2022, the official number that came from Cuba arriving in the United States was 225,000, which accounts for 600 people per day coming to the United States. Now, I know that there are some that talks about how terrible the United States is, but we don't have too many people wanting to leave. They're wanting to come in. Cuba is in dire straits. And I just felt like since I read this, this is fresh off the press, that the inflation in Cuba is 40%. That means your dozen of eggs that cost $5 is now costing $7. Now, I'm not saying that's what eggs cost there. That's what they cost here, but a 40% increase. And that their tourism is down to less than half. And so many, many things. One of the things that got me is there's 939,000 acres. Now, Cuba's small. 939,000 acres of uncultivated farmland. No wonder they're starving. One of the quotes was, I would prefer to die to reach my dream and to help my family. One lady left her 16-year-old daughter and 11-year-old son and was one of those that helped paddle their way and their boat that they had made had all kind of issues, and it was a st- hard to travel. 
And she says, each stroke I would give them was saying that each stroke I gave was for my children. They say, why are you bringing this up? Because I'm telling you, we don't know what our situation will be in 2023. But I can tell you that there's a lot of people in the world that needs Jesus. I had this in my notes. I did not share it in my first service, but I want to share it this time. A guy by the name of Ironside. He was a great, great preacher. But when he was first starting, he started with the Salvation Army and did a lot of straight, street ministry. And he was preaching in an agnostic slash atheist came up to him and challenged him. Challenged him to a debate. He says, I want you to debate with me about Christianity versus atheism and agnosticism. And Ironside said, okay, I will with one stipulation. That when you come to that debate, you bring two people. Bring one man and one woman that their life has been transformed by agnosticism or atheism. And I'll bring a hundred that has been transformed by Jesus. And we'll have our debate. The debate was canceled. We serve a God that's able to transform the world. That he's still in the miracle working business. And in the first chapter of, I mean, First Kings, Chapter 19, we have an interesting story. Not only do we have a story, we have a powerful question. The question was one that God asked Elijah not once, but twice. Now, people ask me about my opinion on what's going on in the world. They ask me what's going on politically, and I usually come up with the same answer. I don't know, and God hasn't called me for advice. (laughs) And I don't know, and none of the officials have called me for advice. They asked me for a poll, but they always ask for an offering after that poll, so I'm not sure about that. But the reality is, God asked Elijah a question. Now, I want us to read this story, the start of it. Now, pray with me. I want to be able to preach this message and let it be eternal without being everlasting. And I don't know if I'm getting to be a better preacher or worse preacher. I used to tell you everything I know in about 25 minutes. Now it takes longer than that. So I don't know if I know more or just a little more long-winded. I'm not sure. But Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets. Now this was right after the uh, challenge on the mountain where Elijah had prayed fire down from heaven, and a lot of the prophets had been killed. So this is the setting. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. In other words, you're gonna be just as dead as they are. 
Then he was afraid, and he arose and ran for his life, and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness, and came and sat down under a broom tree, and he asked that he might die saying, It is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and slept under a broom tree. And behold, an angel touched him and said to him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was his head a cake baked on hot stones and a jar of water. And he ate and he drank and lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came again a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. And he arose and he ate and drank and went in the strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights to Horeb, the Mount of God. Now, there's so many ways I could go here, but I want us to concentrate on one thought. I want us to uh, address the question. Now, most of you know me pretty well, and you know that there's a lot of things that I'm not very good at, but I can hold my own at making excuses. I can hold my own in making excuses. And I cringed to myself. I was thinking this week, and, and this message was given to me a couple of weeks ago, and I've been thinking about it, and, and I cringed to, to make this statement uh, that let's make 2023 the year of no excuses. And you say, well, why would that bother you? Do you remember 2020? Do any of you remember what I had declared was going to be the year 2020? The year of celebration. Some people are still celebrating. They still haven't come back to church. The year of no excuses. Now, let's look at it here. It says that a major statement. He says, the journey is too great for you. Now, as I look around, everyone here, everyone watching online, everyone that would look at the future, you're somewhere on your journey. I said, you're somewhere on your journey. And I can guarantee you that almost every one of us will face something in 2023 that's bigger than we are. I said, we'll face something that's bigger than what we can handle. It may be a sickness. It may be the loss of a loved one. It may be a business. There's a lot of things. And I know some said, Pastor, I didn't come here to be discouraged. I'm not here to discourage you. I'm here to encourage you. That when you can come to a place that you say, this is bigger than me, that's a good place to be. Because then we realize we have to look to a higher authority. Yes. The incident on NFL football, great example. You know, three weeks ago, you couldn't pray on the field. <laughs> couldn't do it. But you can see how circumstances change. Circumstances change. And I'm so glad. You know, I heard preachers ridiculing to make it. Hey, listen, thank God they're praying. I said, thank God they're praying. I'll let, let's let God sort it out, right? God can sort it out. 
But I can tell you that chances are the journey may be too great for you at times this year. Now, the word journey there is the Hebrew word derek, which literally means the way or the road or the distance, the conditions. So chances are that some of us this year are going to hit some things that you can call it what you might or what you desire to, but we have to come to the same truth that God told Elijah, this thing may be bigger than you. This journey may be bigger than you. Let me just ask, has anyone in here today ever had a journey that was bigger than they were? You had to call out for help. You had to say, God, I cannot do it. Call it what you want, but in all likelihood, the journey will be too great. Now that word too great literally means too heavy, too burdensome. And regardless of how excited I am, and I am excited to face 2023, I really don't know why. I really don't know why I'm so excited to face 2023 because I don't know what's going to happen. But I can tell you there's probably some days that are going to be too burdensome for me. Going to be too hard for me to handle on my own. The, the road is going to be too rough. So what is the solution? The same solution that God gave Elijah. Now I want you to know something. God gave Elijah an assignment. We're going to look at that in just a minute. He gave him an assignment. But before he gave him assignment, he said, let me let you get over the last assignment. Oh, that's good. Isn't that good? He said, you know, because when we talk about excuses, now I, I want you to know something, that there is a fine line between a reason and an excuse. Now the definition of a reason is a cause or explanation for an action or event. How many knows that, that uh, COVID-19 was a reason for a lot of things? But now what's the difference with an excuse? An excuse is to, uh, to attempt to lessen the blame or seek to defend or justify. In other words, to come up with an excuse why we don't have to do something. Now, I don't have to ask any of you employers here. I can guarantee you that any employer here that's got people working on them has heard some excuses. How many school teachers have heard some excuses? The dog ate my, ham uh, ate my hamburger, ate my homework. The dog did it. Excuses. Excuses. But before God gave Elijah another assignment, he ministered to him and met him at his point of need. Now, see, initially, I think you would have to say Elijah had a reason. He was mentally, emotionally, spiritually fatigued. How many knows that's a reality? Have you ever been there? It's a reality. You just get totally worn out. You can't take another step. And I'm glad that God sometimes says, okay, Go out there. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to even fix your meal for you. Man, that, I love dinner at the church, but you know, I've never had God personally fix it for me. That's pretty neat. But he said, the journey is going to be too difficult. And we must partake of that which God gives us 
so that we can have strength for the journey. Let me say that again. He didn't say, well, I'm, I'm, you know, he said, I'm ready to give up. I want to die. But how many knows he ate the food God gave him? That's like somebody saying, hey, I'm going to lose weight, but I will eat that strawberry shortcake. You know, I, I, I want that because God gave him the strength, the strength for the journey. And did you notice that? He went in that strength of that food 40 days and 40 nights. Now, I could not help but think that, man, if I could come up with an energy bar. Wouldn't you like to have an energy bar that would last somebody 40 days? And I guarantee you, boy, they could make some commercials with that. Can you imagine Gatorade having an a, a, a energy bar? So we can give you Gatorade and this energy bar, and you won't even have to come off the field for three days. <laughs> but God gave him strength. Now, let's, let's look at the question. Look at the question. I'm not going to take time to read the entire passage because I tell you there's so much of this message that I can never get to today. But in verse 9, after he went to Horeb, after God had ministered to him, after God had taken care of his immediate need, he came to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? If you drop down verse 13, guess what? And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his faith in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing here? Now, let me just ask you to do this for me. Would you insert your name to that question? What are you doing here, Dennis? What are you doing here, Jim? What are you doing here? What was Elijah's response? Basically, and putting it in my terminology, he was having a pity party. Any of you ever had a pity party? Hey, I deserve this pity party. I worked hard for it. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? And as I mentioned, there's a difference between a reason and an excuse. There are some legitimate reasons, but how many would agree with me that our society has been quick to give an excuse for everything? I can tell you, our society is ready to make an excuse for everybody's behavior. You know, you, you shouldn't be held responsible because you did that while you were drinking. You shouldn't be responsible for that because you got attention disorder. Now, I want you to know all of these things are legitimate, but that's not a reason. Those are excuses. Elijah probably could have given a good reason. I'm totally exhausted. But God took care of the reason. I want to emphasize it again. 
You say, why, why are you making an issue of that? Because how many knows that Satan likes to use guilt and condemnation? See, he likes to make you feel guilty and condemned because you had to take a break. I can tell you, it's hard for me to take a vacation. Last week, we took a few days off. Didn't go anywhere because I didn't want to face the traffic. But I always feel guilty. Satan likes to make you feel guilty when you've got a reason. So if you've got a legitimate reason, rebuke Satan and say, there's therefore no, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. But if you're using your excuses for a reason, there's something not being done that God asked you to do on your journey. I told somebody this morning, this message may be just for me. Nobody else may not have any excuses. God met Elijah at his point of need and gave him strength for the journey. He ministered to him. Don't be ashamed to admit you need help. The first step in overcoming any time of addiction is to admit you need help. Quit making excuses. Quit blaming your circumstances. Admit the journey is too great for you. Because you know what that does? That puts the load on Jesus. Hey God, I can't handle it. But I know you can. And I need your help. See, that takes the load off of me. And puts it on God. You say, what are you, that, that's, that's not a good way of doing things. That's what God said. Throw your cares. Cast your cares on me. Or on him for what? Because he cares for you. He cares for you. And God asked Elijah two things. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? And basically he was having a pity party. Elijah began to give excuses. One of them, we think, well, that's a pretty good excuse. Look what I've already done. Guess what? Your past journey, your past journey prepared you for your future journey, but you can't stop where you are. Where are you? What are you doing here, Elijah? Well, hey, I'm ready to die. I'm the only one that's praying. I'm the only one that's anointed. I'm the only one. I'm the only one. I've already done my share. It's time for the next generation to do it. I know some of you older ones say, let's get off the age thing, okay. So let's, let's talk to the young people a minute. What about those excuses? Jeremiah had an excuse. You know what Jeremiah's excuse was? It wasn't that he was too old. It was, I'm too young. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4. Now the word of the Lord came to me saying... 
Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. When did he do that? Before he was born. Then I said, ah, Lord God, behold, I do not know how to speak, for I am only a youth. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am only a youth, for to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord put his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, behold, I put my words in your mouth. In other words, he said, Jeremiah, listen. You're telling me you're too young. Some of those people around you tell you too young. But listen, I know you. I've got the plans for you. And I will take care of you. And friends, it does not matter where you are on your journey. If God says, we got this, we got this, that means that you can do what you, he's called you to do. You say, well, I want to do it right now. Well, maybe. See, Jeremiah was willing to wait. And he said, no, I've got something for you to do right now. It was interesting that God used the phrase, behold, I've put the words in your mouth. You say, what was interesting about that? Because that was the excuse that Moses used. See, that was the excuse Moses used. I'm not eloquent in speech. If you go back to Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. Exodus chapter 4, verse 10. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. But he said, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Don't send me. Now, this is just my insert here. This is just my thought. He said, don't send me, send somebody else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses and says, is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you. And when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. He said, listen, I'm going to let Aaron be the spokesman. How many of you Bible scholars think that he lived to regret that? His brother was a pain in the neck at times. His brother was the one that was leading and in charge when they made the golden idol. But he also was the one that God used to take away the excuse that Moses had. Using current terminology, God got ticked with Moses. He got ticked. He said, why? Moses, I'm tired of your excuses. I've had you in training all your life. Now, I know it doesn't sell that, but we know it to be true. He had been in training for 80 years. And God was saying, okay, now it's time. It's time. He said, I've had you in training all your life. It's time to get on with the show. I believe that's what he was saying to Elijah here. He said, Elijah, what are you doing here? And he went on to say, Elijah, I've got another assignment. I've got another assignment 
It's not time to quit. There's two things that you've got to do. In verse 16, And Jehu, the son of Nimshi, you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha, the son of Shaphat of Abel, Manola, you shall appoint to be prophet in your place. He said, I got two things that's still on your to-do list. Quit making excuses and do it. Now, we know it says he was to anoint Jehu king and to anoint Elisha as your replacement. So there was two specific things that he told him that he had to do. And in verse 19, it says, he departed from there. He departed from there. How many times in Scripture do we find something to the essence as he went or as he was going? Matter of fact, that phrase is used over 250 times. As he or as she. As they were going. See, some of us thinks that God's going to wind us up and let us go. And he doesn't wind us up. He tells us to go. Tells us to go. Psalm 37, 23, we often quote, the steps of a good man are what? Ordered of God. Ordered of God. Now that's interesting. The steps of a good man are ordered of God. But you know what? You may not be able to take a big step, but if you don't take some kind of step, they can't be ordered of God. Sitting still. Good friend of mine told me a few years ago, and it really made an impact on me. He said, Pastor, somebody asked me they wanted to be my mentor, but I can't follow a parked car. Now you think about that. There's some people wanting God to order their steps. And they're singing that song, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. But the steps cannot be ordered. See, you may be at a place right now that you have to take baby steps. But without baby steps, your steps cannot be ordered. Now, the word ordered is pretty strong. It means literally to be arranged, to be put right, to be firmly established. So that means if your steps, that he knows the paths. We often use the word plan, but we also could say he knows the journey. He knows the detours coming your way. He knows those reasons. He knows those excuses. But what are you doing here? If you're parked and going nowhere, God cannot give you directed steps because you've stopped your journey. Now, if you continue on this story, we know that Elijah went and he anointed Elisha as his replacement. We know that. In accordance with God's instruction, he went and he anointed Elisha. And the best that I could come up with for the next four to five years, Elisha was the servant of Elijah. 
He was serving under his mentorship for uh, four to five years. Because, but he was anointed early on. He was anointed by God when he called him and anointed him. He, and he followed him. And if you read that story, it's an awesome story. But for the next four to five years, he served as Elijah's intern. Now you say, why do you bring that out? Because we need to observe God's timing. Lee and I were talking a little bit about this earlier when we were in our conversation if God is the eternal God, I said, if God is an eternal God, he normally doesn't get rushed. He doesn't want you to stop in your journey. He wants you to take steps following the leading of God. But sometimes we have to realize like Elijah that God's timing is critical. So while you are going forward, we must depend upon God, not only for his strengthening, but for his directions and his timing. Now that verse we already referred to, the steps of a righteous man. You know what that chapter is all about? Psalm 37, it's all about fret not yourself. That's the whole, whole story. Fret not yourself. Because the theme of the chapter is fret not because he will never leave you. Oh man. The steps of a righteous man are ordered of God. He's made the journey. And guess what? He's with me, giving me directions, giving me help, giving me all kinds of advice if I will listen to him. Verse 5 of that chapter says, commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. In other words, as we are following him, but we need to realize we've got to quit making excuses and do what God wants us to do. Amen. Now this next point is not as specific as I'd like for it to be. And I never want to put words, my words as God's word. Because we know that Elijah had been given strict orders to anoint Elisha and to do what else? To anoint Jehu as king. He never did that. At least not in his lifetime. Maybe he had a reason. Maybe it was not God's timing. Maybe it was something else. We can speculate and say, well, did he make an excuse? We will not know at this time. And let me encourage you never to judge anyone else's journey. I said, don't judge somebody else's journey. But let's look at what we do know. Sixteen years later, after God told Elijah to anoint Jehu. Chapter 9 of 2 Kings. Then Elisha the prophet called one of the sons of the prophets and said to him, Tie up your garments and take this flask of oil in your hand and go to Ramoth Gilead. And when you arrive, look there for Jehu, the son of Jehoshaphat, son of Nimshi, and go in and have him rise from among his fellows, fellows and lead him to an inner chamber. Then take the flask of oil and pour it on his head and say, thus says the Lord, I anoint you king over Israel. Now this next one's almost funny. Then open the door and run. 
Do not flee. Do not linger. So I have to ask my questions. Had times gotten better in the 16 years? Had times gotten better? Was it easier? Well, all we can read is that Elisha said, you anoint him and run. Now, just suppose, just suppose that God had a plan 16 years earlier, but Elijah failed to follow through. Now, this is just speculation. I said, just speculation. For 16 years, they put up with Ahab. Because you know what the first thing that Jehu did? He killed Ahab. The one that was married to Jezebel. Now that's a couple. Ahab and Jezebel, you try to figure out which one was worse. They were both evil. But for 16 years, Jehu was not king. Was it God's timing? I don't have a clue. But many times we Christians forget. I said, we Christians forget that there will be two judgments. One for eternal life. For those of us that are Christians, we know we pass that one flying colors. Amen? Why? Because it's not dependent upon you, it's dependent upon him. And we know we're going to make it. So, so that judgment, but then it says we will be judged according to our works. And I cringe sometimes at the thought of standing before God with excuses. Not reasons, but excuses. Why did I not follow his instructions? Why did I not trust him to follow his prearranged steps? I think you know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when we know that God has asked us to do something and we fail to do it. Early this morning, I thought of this. My wife and I love to travel, and we really like cruises. I, I love cruises because I can eat anytime I want to. <laughs> but I also love cruises because they take all the planning and obligation out of your hands. You know, if you've got a good cruise director and you've got a good travel agent, they've got a preset plan. And if you want to do whatever you want to do, you can do it because it's already made arrangements for you. I like that. I like that. But I had to ask myself this morning, do I trust my travel agent more than I trust God? Because I'm going to tell you, I depend on my travel. I, I want to know if I can call that travel agent and say something wrong. Do I trust that human? I'm saying nothing against my travel agents I'm, because I trust them. Could it be I trust them more than I trust God? Because I'm not going to go get on a different plane that my travel agent said don't get on. I'm going to go the steps that they ordered for me. The steps of a righteous man are order of God. I don't have time to go back to Moses' story. 
not in detail, but I just want to mention something. In Deuteronomy, it tells us how God handed off the baton to Joshua. And then in Joshua chapter 11, verse 15, it says, Just as the Lord had commanded Moses his servant, so Moses commanded Joshua, and so Joshua did. And I don't know, maybe this is the reason that Elisha or Elijah did not anoint Jehu. Maybe it was not time. Because we find that goes on to say, whatever Moses commanded Joshua, and so Joshua did, he left nothing undone of all that the Lord had commanded Moses. So we find that Elijah did do what Joshua did, his protege finished it up. Twenty twenty three, and I feel like I've done a poor job sharing this because there was so much that I wanted to share. But I think most of us know the difference between excuses and reasons. And I want you to know something. God is still in control. He's still a God that directs our steps. He's still a God that's concerned about your spiritual well-being right here today. And he wants to strengthen you for the journey. I said he wants to strengthen you for the journey. And as we've already saying, he's a good, good father. He's not going to leave you to do it by him yourself. He's going to give you strength for the journey. Amen. But let's not make excuses. Let's fulfill the ministry that God has left for us to do. And we can come up with all kinds of excuses. I'm too young. I'm too old. I'm too this. I'm too that. But if God is in it, I said if God is in it, he will make provisions to accomplish the task. Pray with me. Father God. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your word. And God, I for one don't want to come up with excuses. I want to do everything you ask me to do. I want to do it in your timing. I want to do it your way. And the only way I can do that is if I allow you to direct my journey to lead me, to carry me. So, Father, we ask you to have your way right now. Have your way right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to ask you to join me on the journey. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, this question is the greatest for you than any of the others because you're on a journey. I said, you're on the journey and chances are you're 
like everyone else here in this building, we've run into things that we couldn't handle. And you realize, I want to get on the journey and I need God's help. So if that's you today as we sing this course, I'd like to just ask you to make your way to the front and pray with us. Now I would say pray with us because I'm going to ask you if you would like to just say, Lord, with your help, I'm going to make 2023 a year of no excuses. I want to join the pastor in that commitment. I'd like you to join us too. On behalf of our pastor and staff here at OAG, we want to say thank you. Thank you for being a part of our ministry. We are grateful for you and the support you give our church and its ministries so that we can continue to do what God has called us to do, to be the family church for the family of God. For more content from Pastor Strickland and Oxford Assembly of God, check out our media website at oag.church/media.